Hello and welcome to the BX Basketball Podcast. I'm Nick Englander here with Paul Burry and Christian Okay. So we didn't do a season preview podcast because for those who don't know, the five listeners on this podcast, that I was exposed to COVID-19. Luckily, I tested negative. Thank God for that. Um, that would have been really bad if I had it. Um, thankfully, I didn't. Um, and so here we are. This is our first podcast since the season started. Um, it's been a weird season, that's for sure. That's an understatement. Um, so we're going to go through each our own teams, how we feel about the start. My team's seven games in. Paul's is seven as well. Christian's is six. Um, so I guess I'll start with the Celtics. Um, to say this has been a weird team, like I said before, is an understatement. Uh, to sum up this season so far, this is this a team that beat the Milwaukee Bucks. And lost to the Detroit Pistons. Almost lost to them twice. Um, came very close to losing to them twice. Um, or even better way to describe it. this pace, They played the Pacers twice. They played the Pacers the first time with no Oladipo. And the Pacers on a back-to-back. They lost. They played them the second time with Oladipo. The Pacers rested. They won. After being down 17 points. This Celtics team is completely bizarre. Um, you really just do not know what you're getting from them night to night. It feels like they always play better when no one expects them to win. Tonight, they're playing the Raptors, who have been struggling a lot. And most the line is Toronto minus four and a half. Um, everyone expects the Raptors to win, which is ironically why I think the Celtics might. Like, it's... It, 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 it just... Um, it's just... It's just been kind of a, it's just been kind of a bizarre start, really, from players, coaches on down. So the positives I would start with, um, Tatum and Brown have been, for the most part, really stepping up to the plate. And starting with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, you know, a lot of people have always downplayed his upside, and I have done that myself. But the fact of the matter is he's averaging 30 points a game. Like, there's just no other way around that. Through seven games, he's been an absolutely stellar player for the Celtics. I'm a little worried he's going to have some regression. Um, but because he's shooting 76% on mid-range shots on high volume, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, he's had third most points per possession of any player that's high volume in the league. That's over Kevin Durant. Um, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Tatum for the most part has been good. I don't think he's been as aggressive as he can be sometimes. Um, I I think though, those two guys have really shown that they can kind of carry teams themselves. They've had bad moments. Uh, the first Pistons game, the loss, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had wide open. They could not have been more open threes that would have given the Celtics the lead and the tie second time both missed. Um, not really that close to both miss short. Um, but they've been a positive for sure. I think the second positive has been Marcus smart. Christian, you and me have talked about this a lot, but Marcus smart has actually, you know, Marcus smart taking too many shots, you know, getting in the way of Tatum and Brown. And this year he actually really hasn't for the most part. He took a couple bad shots against the Pistons. You can argue the first one wasn't because it was a wide open three pointer, but he rushed it. But 
and the, se- the second one he took was kind of bad. But Smart this year has been way more under control. Um, not shooting as many bad shots. He shot the three fairly well. Um, I think his defense has been a little worse, but for the most part, I think I'm happy with what I've seen from Marcus Smart. Uh, and the third I'm going to say is the guy we drafted, and that's Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard has a lot of defensive flaws. He's very short and not very athletic, as Paul in the game against the Nets, where you killed us. Uh, Karis LeVert basically made mincemeat out of him, like got anything he wanted. Um, pretty much got, you know, anything he wanted from that uh, matchup. But Peyton Pritchard has had some really stellar moments this year. He against the Indiana Pacers, the game we won, we were down 17. And basically by himself, he brought us back um, and cut the lead to two. And then from that point on, Tatum and Brown basically took over. Um, now the negatives. Oh, is there a lot of <laughs> Let's start with the defense. Holy fucking shit. Is this team bad on defense? I think the last I checked, they were like 27th in opponent field goal percentage. They are absolutely god awful on that end. I have no idea why. It doesn't make any sense. This is a team that has the personnel that should be great on defense. The only game I wasn't mad at team scored a lot was actually the Nets game because Paul, I was talking to you, I sent you a message about it. The Celtics defended pretty well. They, they apparently they said the expected effective field goal percentage. I know I'm throwing out a lot of analytics here, but the expected effective field goal percentage at the Nets that game, a normal team, how they shot would be 49% based on how the Celtics defended. The Nets shot 64. Like, oh my god! That, that's just, at the end of the day, that's just the Nets made everything. You know, Nets made everything, especially in the third quarter. And there's just not a lot you can do. Um, but the fact is, is that this team gave up 120 points to the, the Detroit Pistons. They gave up uh, over 110, I believe. No, over 105 multiple times to the Pacers. They gave up, uh, how many points they gave up to the Nets? 130 to the Nets. Like, although the Nets shot so well. The fact of the matter is, this team is shit on defense. They can't guard anyone. And it's ridiculous. Like, it's... I, this team was a top five team on defense last year. Brad Stevens team. Brad Stevens teams are known for getting the most out of a team defensively. The Isaiah. We started in 2015-16. We started Isaiah Thomas and Tyler Zeller, and we had a top five defense. Like that's, it's completely baffling. And so many of the times, I can't tell you how many times I almost threw something at my TV because. The Pistons shooters, every three they got were was wide open, like wide open. And I was just so furious. I'm like, how many defensive breakdowns is this team going to have? Like, seriously, like, why are we so bad on this end? I, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, second one, Brad Stevens. I don't like how he's coached this year. He has refused to go away from a lineup that worked in one game. That was the lineup of Marcus Smart, the Jays, that being Tatum and Brown, and Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. That lineup worked against the Bucs because it had a lot of size against Milwaukee, which is good because you need that against Giannis. I was impressed with how Tristan guarded Giannis. I thought he did a good job. Um, but against every other team, it's been awful. It's like the worst, most like most used line in the league. It's a minus net, 19 net rating. And yet, time after time, Brad trots it out there to get 
fucking killed. Like, like we put Tristan Thompson on Kevin Durant. Like, how the hell did Brad think that was going to work? Well, and you know, I know it. He's going to do it against the Raptors tonight. I know it. He's going to do it again. He says, like, inconclusive numbers. What's inconclusive? It's played in, like, seven games. It's a minus 19 net rating. How much more do you need to see? Like, it doesn't work. Like, what worked in the playoffs last year against the Raptors was Jalen Brown on Siakam. Brown absolutely shut him down. And guess who's going to trot out there against Tristan uh, against uh, Siakam tonight? It's probably going to be Tristan Thompson. If not, it's going to be Daniel Tice. The guys that we should not have him on him, but we will because Brad, for some reason, is in love with this lineup. Um, our best big man this season, who I forgot to mention as a positive, is Robert Williams. Um, him and Pritchard have had legit chemistry. Like I said, plus 16 net rating with those two guys on the court because there's one center and it's a small lineup. Um, and the third one is Grant Williams. Grant Williams, I loved last year. I was like, this guy makes so many great reads, so many high Q plays. He shot great in the bubble. He blocked the shot on Fred Van Fleet. A lot of people don't remember this. He blocked the shot on Fred Van Fleet with the Celtics up three that sealed the series in game seven. He was the guy that did that. It wasn't Brown, wasn't Tatum. It was Grant Williams. He has been so bad this season that Brad Stevens made him a DNP coach's decision against the Pistons over Shemi Ojale. Like, he has been, I have no fucking idea what's going on with him. I'm extremely disappointed with what I've seen. Um, and listen, I, I think overall, I knew this, everyone knew the Celtics were likely going to have a bumpy start without Kemba Walker. And if you told me before the season they were going to be four and three, looking at the first seven games, I would have been like, all right, I mean, that's okay, I guess. You know, it's not bad. But the fact is, is that this team lost a game. They lost two games. They were winning with under 20 seconds to go. Um, They didn't, for the millionth time, or maybe it was just one, but the, against the Pistons the first time, this one killed me. We were up five. We finally, even though we played so badly in that game, we were up five with four minutes to go in that game. You figured we were going to just find a way to win. The Pistons really weren't even trying that hard to win. Killian Hayes was a walking turnover in that game. And yet, this team didn't score for the last four minutes of the game. Four minutes against one of the worst defenses in the league. We are making Mason Plumley look like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> like... Nick, I... <laughs> I, it's, you sound like me, man, when I talk about the Knicks. Oh Listen, my God. man, I I really don't know what to make of this team. I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I think they could easily be good. They could easily be bad. Kemba, please come back as soon as possible and stay healthy. I think it's not being talked about, about enough, too, but not having Romeo Langford out there, who is a guy we expected to take a big jump this year. He's recovering from a wrist surgery he had in the playoffs last year. I think that's really hurt us because our backup wings are dog shit. Um, the the fact is is that this Celtics team, it's it, I just I just summed it up like I said the, the first time, but is they beat the Milwaukee Bucks. It was lucky, yeah, but they did, and they lost to the Detroit Pistons. That kind of says it all. That just kind of says it all right there. They are an incredibly inconsistent team. And I think a lot of the flaws will be fixed. Also, turnovers, they have a lot of turnovers. 
They were like bottom 10 in turnovers this year. Kemba Walker, I assume as long as he stays, God, please stay healthy. God damn. Um, I think Kemba Walker will solve the turnover thing a lot. I think with that trade exception, please, Danny, do not sit on that. Like you always sit on things. Um, that that would get us a decent player, at least one decent player, maybe two. That would help the team. Um, but the defensive thing in Grant Williams, I mean, Grant Williams, I still believe in him. I think it's a sophomore slump right now, but the, the defense thing is a major problem. Kemba Walker is not in there to solve your defense. You know, like you can't be bottom five in the league when you have Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown on your team. Those are three borderline elite. Smart is an elite defender. Brown is a borderline elite and Tatum is like kind of borderline elite on defense. Like you have those three guys on defense and yet you're getting beat. The Pistons ran the same play. I tell you, they ran one play the entire game over and over. And they, and that was high pick and roll with D Rose and Plumlee or Blake Griffin and attack Tice downhill. Tice used to be one of the best pick and roll defenders in the league this year. He's been so bad on defense, I can't even begin to describe. He's useless on that end. <sighs> Fact is, is that if you were asking me if we'd be four and three now, I'd say, all right, that's okay. That's like the bare minimum average start. That would be fine with me. But we should be better than that. If we had not lost, if we had not lost to the Pistons and we were five and two, I'd be happy for sure. Um but this team is just so inconsistent. You really just do not know what you're getting from them on a given night. And so if I had to give them a grade or something, I'd be like a C plus, maybe B minus C plus. Definitely nothing special, but this has been a weird year for a lot of teams in the East so far, um, including the Brooklyn Nets uh, and the New York Knicks. And so I, I guess that's where I'm at. I just, this team, this I really hope this shit doesn't go off the rails. I don't think it will, but I just uh, I don't know what to make of this team. I really just do not. I have no idea. Go ahead. Uh, I guess Paul will go second since you know he's the other supposed contender compared to the, apparently the Knicks are now the new contender in the New York or something. But <laughs> all right, go ahead, oh, Paul. It's it's just a weird year, man. I have no idea how to really evaluate this team <laughs> why you guys uh, sound so that you guys sound so depressed oh i mean God. it's not i mean it's not like i'm depressed over the team i'm not gonna say blow it up and get james harden or anything like that it's just been it's just kind of confusing like on the one hand we slap the celtics around like it's nothing and then we lose to fucking washington wizards and give them 123 points oh, i mean fuck. After lose, after getting blown out by the Hawks, I mean, I have. It's just weird. Um, this team's just been really inconsistent. Um, I don't know how much of it has to do with Dinwiddie being out, because like I just um, browsed Basketball Reference, and he's a net plus twenty nine and a half, and the only players wow. coming close to that are KD and Kyrie. Um, and obviously, you know, didn't what he's done for the season with that um, mm. ACL injury. So, um, I don't know. And it's just, I don't 
Well, that that sums up my evaluation of the Nets so, so far. Like, this is a team hyped up to be a, you know, potentially in at least in the conference finals, and now it's I don't know. This team just can't fig. They can't defend the perimeter first of all, and they just can't. I don't know. It, the 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 shooting's been really inconsistent this season so far. Um, yeah. I don't know where else to take that. I guess one thing I'm really confused about is why Bruce Brown hasn't been playing more because he's he seems like the kind of player that we should be using right now, like if not starting at least in more than just garbage time because he came in as someone hyped up as you know one of the better defending guards in the league and um sure he doesn't have like an elite shot or anything. He's not going to go lights out against any teams. But this team just needs some more defense in it, and I don't know. I, um, <laughs> I don't know what Steve Nash is going to do to fix it. I think, by the way, as you said this, uh, Woj just tweeted that, unsurprisingly, like I said, was going to happen. The Nets are going to apply for a 5.7 disabled player exception for the season-ending injury to Dinwiddie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a surprise. You know, I mean, we like I said that. That that money can be used for a buyout player, so that's yeah. definitely definitely got some value to it. Um, the Celtics actually had that for Gordon Hayward a few years ago, and we used it on Greg Monroe. <laughs> so, <Oof. yeah. laughs> that did not work out very well. I guess he he was a good locker room guy, I guess. But um, yeah. So Paul, yeah, as we were saying before the podcast, I thought. Well, actually, I didn't mention this before. I didn't think Dinwiddie being out was going to hurt them nearly as much as it seems like it has. Like yeah. I thought, I thought they'd be like, "All right, well, they, you know, they'll defense their defense will be a little worse, but I think they'll still be fine." But they've lost four or five or something like that since that ha- since that's happened. Yeah, he lost. He went out against Charlotte. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they've won. They've lost uh, for the for the last five. One thing I would say um, uh, is that. I didn't realize Dinwiddie was your team's best defender or seeming best perimeter defender. Maybe not yeah, best defender. Neither did I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forget Harden. We should have been protecting Dinwiddie this whole time. <laughs> yeah, I just – we mentioned – all of us knew that if there was going to be an issue with the Nets, it was going to be on the defensive end. We all knew that. Um, I'm surprised that, though, that it's affected them this much. Like – he, if you look at Spencer Dinwiddie's stats prior to when he got hurt, he wasn't playing very well. Like, uh, like offensively, at least he wasn't. Um, I thought more than anything, the way the injury affected the Nets the most was that if Kyrie gets hurt, they're really screwed because they don't have any point guards. If, well, I do think when, because he's going to get hurt. Uh, I think Dinwiddie was the Nets. He was one of the leading scorers either last season or the year before so he he definitely can like you know play really well but i mean i just didn't i never thought of dinwiddie as like a defensive stopper i mean apparently (laughs) i thought my concerns with the nets defense was going to be just the team as a whole not being able to defend really well not oh we lost dinwiddie and now the defense just collapsed that's really surprising for me yeah, I think... Well, you know... Oh, sorry to cut you off, Nick, but you know the thing... So I watched the game a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. and the thing that struck me the most, which was kind of appalling to me, was that against the Wizards, the lineup they had at the end of the, at the, end of the game was 
Kyrie KD, uh, TLC Jeff Green, and Joe Harris. And yeah. the Wizards, the Wizards had Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura out there, who were just bigger. I mean, KD and Rui, Rudy or Rui, whatever the hell his name is. I'm sorry to Japan. They're both like the same size, but they have Jeff Green as their center. Like, why? Why wouldn't you have Jer- yeah, uh, Why wouldn't you have Allen or even too. or even especially when Jordan? it's a especially when it's a close game where all we needed at the end was two points to win it. I don't know why the strategy was just throwing up a bunch of threes when all you need is a big guy to, yeah. you know, tip in, to tip in the ball. Well, this, was the, well, this was the karma game. This was a karma game for Kyrie saying that Kevin Durant is the best closer he's yeah. ever played with. <laughs> yeah, they did, they did both blow it at the end. Um, but you want to know what, like I said, like, I'm going to try to get, I always try on this podcast to get like the Celtics fan bias away from Kyrie and you know how I dislike him, obviously. He's but... been playing tremendously though. He's yeah, been their best yeah. player. But one thing I want to make a point about that last shot he took against the Wizards that this was always a problem I had with him when he was here. He settles so often at the end of games, you know, like, like you said, Paul, he didn't need to take a three there. I don't know why he did. It was a contested three too. Like, yeah. Kyrie's an amazing shot maker. Don't get me wrong, but too often that kind of bites him in the ass because he takes like one game with the Celtics that sticks out to me uh, was we were playing the Hornets in Charlotte and Kemba was attacking and scoring on us near the end of the game. We blew a 17 point lead and we kept giving it to Kyrie to close out the game and he kept settling for threes and he kept missing and the one time he drove, he scored. And I was getting really frustrated. I was like, why doesn't he just attack? He is the best, you know, touch in the league, arguably. And here he is taking contested threes. I don't want him shooting threes at the end like that. I know he can make it, but, like, I'd much rather him attack. Um, so when I saw him do that, I wasn't surprised at all. I'm like, dude, he, he needs to – I don't think he understands sometimes that, like, as great a shot maker as he is, and he is an incredible shot maker – he just settles so often and doesn't go for free throws when he should. Um, and now it's one game. Does it really matter that much? No. Um, but to the center thing, Christian, the the Nets out of 30 teams in the NBA are dead last in second chance points given up. They oh, are. I wonder why. And we're yeah. towards the bottom in offensive rebounding, I think. Yeah. I saw that stat earlier. Well, well, I mean, well, they wanna, uh, one thing I was very disappointed at was when we played the Nets on Christmas, in the first quarter, Tristan Thompson got four offensive rebounds, three on one possession. I was like, ha, 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 they can't box him out. Then the second half, he decided to get none. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's the most Tristan Thompson thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like, you were getting all of those in the first half. He had, like, eight points instantly. I was like, oh, perfect. Well, yeah, like, well, Paul, are they playing DeAndre Jordan more, or are they playing Jared Allen more? Because if they're playing DeAndre Jordan more, then they deserve to be the last place in in rebounding because they're just stupid for doing that. So Steve Nash was actually um... – surprisingly like honest about this the center situation with the nets he said that um uh jordan is going to be starting because he's got more of that chemistry with Kyrie and kd but allen is going to be getting more minutes because steve nash straight up said like he's just the more like efficient or or effective player 
So, I mean, it's probably like the best way you could handle the situation just because we can't trade Jordan because he's friends with KD Kyrie. That's the only reason he's on the team. Um, so, I mean, so yeah, like Allen is getting more minutes, but I don't know. He, I mean, in the past, he has like struggled kind of with bigger centers. Like, people online have been talking about like his need to fill out his frame a little more but i don't know it should you would think by now the rebounding should just be not bottom of the league i don't know you know i think i was saying me and paul were talking about before but i remember before the season on our off season in review podcast i said i think the nets missing out on Serge Ibaka and aaron baines was a big miss for them because I felt like the center situation for them was if, if Allen wasn't going to be a legitimate rebounder, then that was going to be a major issue. And it's so I in the first few games, it didn't look like it was going to be a major issue because Allen was playing great. But the last few, it's been kind of a disaster. Um, like the Sergi Baca, I mean, they, it seemed like they never really went hard after Baines, but like the Sergi Baca one, that's a big miss for them. Like they could have badly used a guy like him also as a release valve on the perimeter is a big for Katie and Kyrie, which currently they kind of don't have a big man that can stretch the floor, which I think has limited their pick and roll game a little bit. Although their offense has been very good. Like we said, the offense has really been the problem. Um, yeah, no, like, listen, they're, they, they're kind of like the Celtics. They rely a significant amount on, you know, jump shots. They rely I, I think almost too much for both the Celtics and the Nets. They rely too much on it. Uh, and I think the Nets, like, if you ask me, they're going to be fine. Of course, they're going to be fine. Of course, they're going to be a top seed. Of course, they're going to make the playoffs. By the way, uh, Woj clarified they can also use that tra- that uh, disabled player exception for a guy with one year left on his contract as well. Um, but they would have to cut a guy. Uh, not like that would be a big deal for them. Um, you know, I think Kawhi only has one year left on his contract. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! No, but um, what's the thing I wanted to say about the Nets? Okay, yes. So you know, although they started, so in the they were they looked really good in the preseason, and after the first two games, everybody was crowning them as the Eastern Conference champions. And I said they they, they looked very impressive. Like I couldn't deny that. But this is where the true test of in my opinion, is if they are really contenders. So now they're dealing with some adversity. They've lost four of the last five, right? KD and Kyrie just missed those game winners. Now I want to see how they bounce back from it. Are they going to blow out the next team, blow out the next two or three teams, or win the next three or four games? Or are they going to be teetering with, like, a two and three, two and four record? Because as I've said before, like, again, as we've all said, their offense is not going to be a problem. Their defense is, is questionable right now, but great superior offense that they have they can they can withstand any terrible defense my concern is is if those crazy ass egos of Kyrie and KD are going to be able to continue to get along because yeah uh, like I said like again like this the whole thing with Kyrie I just don't trust him he's just crazy like he he might say something stupid after they lose another two or three games that can ruin the chemistry of the team and that's just my biggest concern so if those guys can you know withstand this this early this early part of the season where you know they're trying to find their chemistry and stuff they're going to be fine 
I mean, like, like what you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Those are two of the best players in the league. But again, just the concern for me is still that can they and how will they deal with adversity? I think to uh, Kyrie and Katie's credit, so far what they have been saying to the in the press has been pretty good. Like, you know, last season Kyrie was saying like, oh, it's obvious we need a third star. Then recently, I think. Because after the Wizards game, he said, like, you know, we didn't expect everything to come together immediately. It's going to take time for guys to gel. Um, and so he hasn't, you know, melted down in the, to the reporters, um, which is obviously a good thing. And so the chemistry seems to be solid. So, so far, I am cautiously optimistic that we're not going to get any of Kyrie's patented locker room meltdowns. Yeah. I can tell you, though, one thing I did notice on the court, because I kind of noticed this late in his time in Boston, he definitely, you could definitely tell, I mean, obviously it was, it was pretty normal, like, frustration, but there were definitely times where I was watching the game and he'd be, like, kind of yelling at, like, his Nets team to, like, move or go, like, and, I mean, that's pretty normal, but one thing, if, if it does get really bad, which, I mean, again, it doesn't, like, I, I don't expect it to because he picked the Nets, unlike us. Um, but he, what he will do is he will do that, like, every possession, you know? Like, every time down, he'll be yelling at a teammate to move or do something like that. Um, I don't think it was every possession I saw, but it did seem like there was a little bit, it seemed like he was most mad at Jared Allen from what I saw. Like, he was often mad at, like, there was a play, um, where he rolled the where he rolled the ball to Thomas Bryant and he yelled at Jared Allen. Yeah, yeah, it was that play. Yeah, I was like, yikes. Um, but the, yeah, the Nets like the biggest positive by far for them this season to me has been that KD looks like himself. Oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. that is by far the biggest positive. And in the same way, I said like, I I we we didn't expect the KD to be this ready. Right, we didn't. We thought it would take some time, but he's like ready to go. In, in the same way that for the Celtics, to me, the biggest positive by far has been that while Tatum's been Tatum, he's been a little worse than he was in the bubble, but overall been good. He had twelve assists, no turnovers yesterday. Um, is that Jalen Brown is playing legitimately out of his mind, um, even better than Tatum? He's averaging thirty a game. Like Kevin Durant, like is looks like Kevin Durant, like legitimate and. That makes the Nets by itself like an absolute title contender. If he was looking like, you know, I don't know, like 60% of himself. Yeah, 60% of Kevin Durant, then that would be very concerning. But he doesn't. He looks, it, it's just the miracles of modern science. Right. You know, like right. that and can kind of, that can know, I, impact what he is. Now, another thing I would be concerned with, but uh, to a lesser degree for me, for the Nets, is. So far that I've watched them, they've been just hitting every single shot. Like I don't, I don't think I've seen Kyrie miss. When the playoffs come around, you're gonna miss shots. And will their def their will their liability on defense cost them a game or two in the playoffs? Let's say. Yeah, like can they grind games out? We right. have, we because have, you're not gonna make every shot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, if they play like, the Bucks. The Bucks, although they've been playing like garbage, and we blew them out by forty. <laughs> they, they 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 play decent defense. You know what I mean. Like they have the size to match up with the Nets, maybe. Yeah, well, it's unfortunate that they're uh, they're susceptible to uh, game winning bank shots. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. Then they almost got some ref bullshit at the end of that game. I was. 
Yeah, that, that that was a weird game. Um, but yeah, I think if I were a Nets fan, like I wouldn't be too concerned yet. I I think right. I think it, the one thing I would absolutely be concerned about, like you said, Paul, is the center rotation is just not good enough. It's so obvious. And defensively, they've missed Dinwiddie a lot more than we thought. We, even though we didn't realize Dinwiddie was this defender. Yeah. But I want to see the Nets in a close, low-scoring game. You know, like, can they grind a game out? The next game, I'm looking at their schedule now, the next game is against Utah. So, I want to That's see... Gonna, I don't want to see Rudy Gobert up against this team. It's yeah. going to be rough. You want to know what? I actually think the opposite. I think this is a bad matchup for, the, for Utah, not for the Nets. Because I don't think Utah is built to play with the Nets. They're not built to play with a team that's fast like in a way like with the Celtics with Tristan Thompson as taking out Hayward and adding Tristan Thompson I was kind of saying this to my brothers but it felt like the Celtics are way better matchup for Milwaukee now but a way worse one for the Nets you know by the way I just saw something about Katie Shams. oh my god Kevin Durant's in coronavirus protocols oh god damn it Kevin Durant lifted out Tuesday versus Utah due to the NBA's coronavirus protocols. Didn't he already have it? Yes, he did. So this wow. might just... Well, it might just be he's a high-risk contact. I don't think that means he has it, necessarily. Yeah. He... Right. Uh, with The Celtics have a player named Javante Green, who he was in high-risk protocols himself. But, yeah, like you said, it, it doesn't mean that uh, he has it. But, wow. Jeez, the timing so far from the Nets. Like, the news dump. You have the... DP for Dinwiddie and now this. Well, whenever Kevin Durant comes back, you know, <laughs> is he going to miss two weeks? Does I don't he have know. to quarantine for two weeks. No idea. No, what? Like there is kind of no precedent yet. You know. Oh, that that could be if he misses two weeks. That might be. I don't want to say problematic, but he's just getting back into like oh, shape. No, they're playing the Sixers too. I wanted to see oh. the Sixers fans get shut up. If <laughs> he's so allowed. Uh, if he's just a high risk um, close contact, then he might just need to take a few. Um, he might just need to have a few negative tests in a row. Because I know if that's you know, how it's been. Like the Cleveland Browns have had a shit ton of COVID cases, and that's been so. You know, yeah, I don't know if the NBA's the protocols is. like the NFL, but if it is, then he just it might just be a few days or a week. By the but, way, uh, uh, speaking of, if you want more news dump, Jesus, there's so many Nets news. Nets coach Steve Nash does not want to turn DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen situation into mini drama. Someone commented then they should just play Jared Allen more, which, yeah, obviously. <laughs> like, Oh, God. Anyway, so after all that Nets news, uh, Christian, <laughs> you're up for the Knicks. Uh, this is the one, I think, that this, the of us three that's definitely going to be the most happy. Right, but before I before I say anything about the Knicks and their amazing season so far, I just want to say that I've noticed something. I've noticed something in the NBA early on, and I think it's due to the missing of training camp and kind of the fact that there was only a couple of preseason games. Instead, you can really tell that a lot of teams and a lot of really good players are getting hurt. Like John Moran is out for a bunch of weeks now with that ankle injury. Luka Doncic does not look great. I just think that teams. Um, they're missing that training camp and that preseason schedule to get back into shape has really screwed a lot of teams. And there's a lot of teams missing threes, man. I mean, I've been saying every time a team is shot, I just keep saying clank because it's just hitting the damn rim. It is not going in. And it's just bad. It's just really bad. Early on, 
I think that's why a lot of teams like the Seas and the Nets and like the Bucks have been struggling. They just don't look good. And Miami I mean, Heat too. Yeah, they look horrible. So I'm expecting that to turn around. Obviously, give us some time, but um, I'm just very surprised at how, how many like, and we'll talk about this later. But how many like, how many teams just look bad? But one team that has looked pretty good, <laughs> and it's a to my surprise, is the Knicks. And um, let's see if I can get there. We go. <laughs> just I'll just put that real quick. Um, okay, so first thing first. I'm not going to be one of those Knicks fans on Twitter who says we're going to go to the championship because obviously I'm anticipating the the uh, decline immediately. We'll probably lose about 14 games in a row now. But I the the one thing that has strikingly the the thing that has just been like really noticeable about this team is like coaching. I mean, my God, Tom Thibodeau, Kenny Payne, Mike Woodson, that staff has done wonders for a lot of these players. I mean, Julius Randle looks like an all-star, and he was horrible last year. I mean, we we were calling him Julius No Handle Randle because he would spin, <laughs> he would spin into a double team and lose the ball every single damn time. He looks like an all-star, and he's actually he's one of only seven players to average twenty points, ten rebounds, and five assists uh, in in the first seven games of a season. The list the list of players, one of them was Scottie Pippen. I think Oscar Robertson was on that list. I mean. He's in some he's in some pretty damn good company. He's been playing lights out. And um Emmanuel quickly, I'm very happy with him. Has he been putting up big numbers? No, but he looks like just a really good guard. Like he looks like a good point guard. I, and I don't know Whoa. if it's Kenny Payne. I don't know if it's that he's just really good, but my God, he might be the steal of the draft, boys, because the first preseason game they put him in, he looked bad. Then they started him against the Cavs, and we beat their asses by 50 in the preseason. And he was running the offense. He was making threes. He was defending the ball. I, he looked tremendous. Is Unfortunately, he Richard, though? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, he's coming off the bench, but he's playing great. We haven't, and that's the thing. IQ actually has IQ. Like, we don't have guards who, who have, they, they, don't, they don't have basketball IQ, but Emmanuel quickly does. Like, he knows. When to shoot, he knows when to pass. He he, last game he drew like five fouls, veteran like fouls he was drawing. I was like, holy shit! Like we haven't had a guard like this in a while. And you know, Julius Randle's playing well. Mitchell Robinson is playing really well. RJ was struggling a little bit with this shot, but he's but the thing I love about RJ this year especially is that he's not letting that deter the rest of his game. He's still driving to the rim. He's still passing the ball. He's still defending really hard. He's still getting rebounds. Kevin Knox looks like a decent player now. I mean, he's still, the jury's still out on him and stuff. But the thing I've just been impressed with is the veterans are playing well and the young guys are, are playing well. And we're competitive in every game. The only game we were blown out in was against Philly. Every other game has been close. And it's been fun to watch. Even though we lost to the Raptors, it was fun to watch that. Well, no, that game wasn't that good because it was, then we shot three of 36. But yeah, that was the game I watched. <laughs> that game was that game was brutal to watch, but every other game has been competitive. It's been fun to watch, and I'm very happy with the results so far. Now, again, as I mentioned before, I'm gonna lower my expectations because we're not gonna make the playoffs and we're gonna win 20 games, but I'm very, very, very happy with what I'm seeing so far. And also thank you, Dallas, for your pick. I will be taking that top ten pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the maps are not good. 
like right now they're not good. Right, but I mean, like, if you're a Knicks fan, right? Like I said, that's the 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 thing that I just is just striking is just the coaching, man. It's just so good right now. They're just who knew? All we needed was a decent coach to to coach up the guys. Listen, I was me and you were all on the Kenny Atkinson in New York train, and we all kind of were like Tibbs, eh. But I gotta admit, I mean, listen, the Knicks didn't win the game. I saw the Raptors won, um, but I was shocked at how seemingly always they were in the right place like they don't have a lot of talent from what i've seen but i'm yeah like you said it feels like they're never really kind of like you you watch the nixon prior years and they look like a team like a chicken with its head cut off like yes. everyone's all over the place like yes yes i was shocked at how organized they were like it like one place stuck out to me was i, I think it was fred van vliet attacked the basket and normally with the Knicks, it's a wide open lane, you know. And Julius mm-hmm. Randle, who's not a good defender, or at least hasn't been in the past, like stepped over, like made a legitimate straight up contest. Van Fleet missed, and I was like, I haven't seen the Knicks do that in like five years. <laughs> like that's just- what I'm saying, dude. It's unbelievable, and we're actually defending the three ball because, like, the joke the joke around my house with my sisters is that you know, oh, you're, the Knicks are playing tonight. Well. And you anticipate about twenty-five open corner threes. They haven't been giving up corner threes this year. They're actually defending them well. It's it's incredibly impressive, and honestly, like if if you're a Knicks fan right now, like you just got to be thinking, like you know. And, and listen, Thibodeau has lived up to the reputation. Julius Randle has played what like. Well, he played forty-four minutes one game. Like the injury, the guy, man, he had a lot of injuries. Like the guy is what he is. You know what he's gonna do. He's gonna play his players a ridiculous amount. Um, but for a guy like Julius Randle, at least for now, he really needed something like this. Um, and I think, and I think, um, I just think at the end of the day that. Um, I think it's just been a very impressive start. And I think if you're a rebuilding team, the best you can ask for is to compete every night, to show you have some promise. And like we said, we don't have – Obi Toppin's out. He hasn't even played that much. He's hurt. Um, and yet here you have the Knicks like legitimately competing with decent teams. As much as we make fun of all oh, the Cavs, like, you know, they look at how good they are. It's early in the season. The, the Cavs might not be that bad this year. Like, they – they that win by the Knicks was kind of legit in Cleveland. Um, I'm forgetting the, the Bucks win. I, I it's a good win, but at the end of the day, I think Christian, you agree with me. That was just the Knicks literally made everything, and the Bucks missed everything. Like I yes. think that was, a big, that was a big part of that. Right, that everything the Knicks put up was going in. Right. And, we now we beat the Pacers after the first. Yeah, game, that was blown great. out by them. That's a pretty, oh, a pretty impressive add- win. I just want to add real quick before we completely move on from Cleveland that we need to give credit to that nickname of their backcourt. Sexland is Sexland. just an incredible yeah. nickname. Yeah, I was. But you know, you know what's crazy is like there was a stat they had the worst defensive backcourt last year. So I, I don't know how they're just four and two right now. I mean, it's just I guess just the 2020, 2020, 2021 NBA kind of thing here. They've been playing great too. I think at the end of the day, it's. It's been such a weird season, but seeing uh, I, I you could a lot of people would say like, oh, the Knicks 
start as a fluke. And you, like you said, Christian, it very well may be. But I was pretty shocked just watching them. Like, it seemed how organized they were. Like, it didn't feel like they were a team that just was – like, okay, I'll make a comparison, right? Do you remember – Couple years ago, the Derrick Rose Knicks. You know, oh, Derrick Rose. Please don't, please don't remind me of that. <laughs> if you like, remember, oh if my you God. remember, Christian. Yes, I remember how pissed off and annoyed I was at how shitty they were defensively. Too. Oh my God. No, not just that. That Knicks team was fifteen and fourteen or something like that going into the Christmas game against the Celtics, and the Celtics almost blew it, but they won uh, on them. And I just remember thinking, wow. Dude, this team has no defensive organization. I'm telling you, dude. Like, I cannot tell you how many times it felt like Isaiah Thomas had, like, an absolute free run to the rim. Like, just on straight pick and rolls. Him or Al Horford. Um, It's, 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 yeah, I I just, as as a Knicks fan, like, so far, yeah, there's, is there really anything to complain about besides Toppin being hurt? Like, I can't think of anything. No, but now tonight we play the Hawks, and if we get blown out by, like, 30, then I'll kind of be like, oh, well, I knew it was just coming. <laughs> if they beat the Hawks after the Hawks beat the Nets, then that's the ultimate. Now, ultimate should talk. Now, I'll say this. When I saw Michael Rappaport kind of jump back on the Knicks bandwagon, I don't know if he was kind of mocking them or back in the bandwagon. I was like, all right, come on, guys. You know, like, you know, it's not good to be this non-loyal fan. I mean, I, I can't blame them for jumping ship after what Dolan has done to the franchise, but, like, come on now. I mean, and listen, Stephen A. I don't think Stephen A. Smith ever really jumped ship, so him giving credit to the Knicks the other night, I mean, I think that's fair and legitimate, but Michael Rapport, that was just stupid. Um, <laughs> but for one night, you know, I mean, for, for a few nights, Christian really has the upper hand to talk shit on Paul. The New York Knicks are three and three. Bottom line, Nets are three and four. The Nets lost to. Let me make this clear: the Celtics lost the Pistons was about equivalent to the Wizards. You can argue because that Wizards team with Westbrook in the lineup was zero and five. They lost the Bulls at home twice. <laughs> like they, they are. To me, they are an awful basketball team. Or at least oh, absolutely. outside of Bradley Beal. That team is horrendous, and yet the the Nets couldn't find a way to beat them the same way the Celtics decided to not score for four fucking minutes against the Pistons. The Pistons! They couldn't score. They couldn't... They, okay, Marcus Smart, as much as I praised him, airballed, airballed a wide-open three-pointer with two minutes to go in that game, and I think I... I, at that point, I decided, all right, do I keep watching this game or do I just turn it off, even if we win? The last game, uh, I'm not going to say who it was, but one of the people I was watching with was so fed up with the Celtics and how they were playing, even though the Celtics ended up winning the game, that he just went downstairs and stopped watching. Like, <laughs> like they, And not only that, one thing negative I forgot to mention is our rookie, Aaron Neesmith, who we picked at 13, has played zero meaningful minutes this season. So that's great. And has looked bad in the garbage time he's played. So that's phenomenal. Anyway, back oh, to the next. boy. Um, I mean, to be fair, it's early. And all right, Kevin Durant has seven days of quarantine. Oh, oh, damn! It's not two weeks, Paul. So it's better than it's that. not bad. But so he's I guess, gonna miss, so he's gonna miss like two he games. He doesn't have it, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
He's got a seven days of quarantine before returning to action due to contact tracing slash. Yeah, there you go. Exposure to COVID-19. So he got exposed. Um, I want to see if the guy I'm up against in fantasy this week has Kevin Durant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I am. Oh, he does. Like, I was, yes. Uh, <laughs> I am two and 14 in, in the fantasy league with Paul. My God, I'm just <laughs> taking a bunch of L's right now. Hey, whoever oh, has J- Whoever has Jalen Brown, props to that person because they are making absolute bank off him right now in fantasy. Although you guys, I know your league's not for, uh, you're not not for money technically, but yeah. but still, like if it was whoever picked Jalen Brown, it would be excellent pick. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So the okay. So. I guess now con- considering, okay, so someone said the the Nets schedule over the next seven days, they have a lot of games. Um, Utah, Philly, Memphis without John Jaron, OKC and Denver. They yeah, could probably still go three and two or two and three without him. Yeah, um, I don't think that's a disaster. This could be a positive in the aspect of Karis LeVert. Because now he's gonna have to take over the scoring load with Kyrie, and maybe he can get his groove back because he didn't play really well be, last game. Yeah, this is gonna be really big for Karis. He's got to step up. He was awful against the Wizards. He's had moments where he's just really inconsistent. He's had moments where he's looked in like an absolute stud, and he's had moments where he's looked absolutely dog shit. And last game was absolutely dog shit. Anyway, um, all right. So we kind of gone through all our teams. Um, Persian, I'm surprised you didn't make fun of the net. Uh, to talk more shit about the Nets, considering I but... just slapped this fantasy team around. He can't say anything to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was considering sending Paul on Instagram the standings of the Eastern Conference, but I don't want it to bite me in the ass when we're in last place at the end of the year. We're <laughs> second place. I mean, it's too it's too early to be boasting. Yeah. Now if. Now, if it's April and the Knicks are in the playoffs and the Nets are not, then I'm going to roast Paul every single day. But I know that's not happening. God, no. <laughs> Paul, you should have seen what I sent uh, Christian after we lost to the Pistons. I think it was just tra- trash, 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 trash. We are trash. <laughs> we suck. We, we're terrible. Um, yeah, all right. Um, okay. Wode says uh, about the seven-day quarantine. I just got to... Update one sec. Um, he still is. Yeah, he said he's had negative tests. He's gonna miss four games in the next week. All right. He has antibodies. He's had tested negative. So yeah, he's he probably doesn't have it. Yeah. It's it, it's just out of precaution. Um. So. Yeah. So. Um. We can do is the ups and downs. What team or what player has have you had that's an up, uh, like oh better than you expected? That's not our team. Oh man! That team Just has go. been pretty much been exactly what you'd have expected. And what team has been worse than than uh, you've expected? The team has me, been ext- well, team or player. It can be a player too. For okay. me, but uh, mm-hmm. you go, I'll Nick. start if you guys. I, I mean, 
Christian, if you want, Christian, you know what? You, you seem ready to go, so you go ahead. You start. Uh, I was going to say the team has been most disappointing to me, and it's also because I took him first overall as a goddamn Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see that, you know, you can see that KP, miss, them missing KP is just huge, 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 huge. And I just want to say thank you, Mark Cuban, for taking his $150 million broken ass away from us. We <laughs> didn't have to pay him that much. Um, uh, and thank you for the first round pick as well. Uh, <laughs> even though they're probably going to come back and like make the playoffs and then win the championship, but it's okay. <laughs> I had time to brag. <laughs> no, but seriously, the Mavericks have looked really bad, and especially Luka. Um, so RJ was 0 for 21 from 3 for like three games in a row, which was startling and appalling. But Luka Doncic was 2 for 21 from 3 in the last six games, and I was just like, good God almighty, that's not the Luka that I love and know. So he's just been way off, and now he's. I think he's gonna miss a game because of an ankle injury. I, they look like a disaster right now, and again, it's still early, but they look extremely, extremely disappointing. And also, another team is the Nuggets. Like I thought they were gonna take the leap, but they haven't, and it's concerning. I think the Mavs. Yes, is the Mavs are two and four. Lucas sat last game on a back to back. Uh, but I know, I know it's like you didn't have Luca or KP, but it's the Bulls missing a lot of players and they still couldn't get that. Uh, it, it's, it's not great, like to not, uh, win that one for sure. I think the Bulls are the Bulls like three and four. Despite, There's despite three and four, that. but they suck. They're horrible. Yeah. They're a terrible team. Um, I think the up for me, uh, if I had to say, a team that's played above its head. I was tempted to pick the Cavs, but I'm going to go with the Hawks. Um, I never really bought into this team like that other people did before the season. I thought they were just going to be in it because so many times it felt like the last few years we said, this is the Hawks year. And I get they signed a lot of win now guys like Rondo, like Gallo. Um, who am I forgetting? Uh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich. Yeah. They traded uh, for Capella last year too. Yeah, Capella's been good. I mean, they 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 look like a legitimate team on offense, and they're. Probably, I think you know I'll be interested to see how they do against the suddenly juggernaut New York Knicks. Let's not get uh, carried away. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, oh, but, before um, before you say anything, boys, I have to ask you because my friend sent me the video of Trey Young running into the guy and getting I a foul call. That. No, let me <laughs> let me say something too. A lot because this didn't get enough. Uh, Publicity too, but Jalen Brown did the same thing against the Pistons, and he got called for an offensive foul for that. Like that's crazy. Yeah, I was like, literally did the same thing. In fact, it was in transition, um, and it wasn't even as egregious. Like he kind of did get run over, but it was just he kind of you know he he dived a little bit, but they called an offensive foul on that. The Celtics challenged, and they upheld the call. And I'm like, if that's the case, then why the fuck is Trey Young not getting called for it? Like, they need to they need to remove that. Like, you should not be able to run into somebody on purpose and get a foul call. Come on. If Steve Nash said it, it's not basketball. It's a ridiculous thing. Um, but the Hawks have been a legitimate team this season. Like, I mean, it's only six games in, but they're four and two. They did lose to the Cavs after being the Nets. That's just kind of again, the season's just been so weird, but. Um, but the Hawks offense looks like the real, real deal. And I got to give credit, uh, for that. Maybe they fizzle out. Um, maybe they don't, I don't know, 
Um, I was going to pick the Hornets guys tier two, like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier for being, you know, scoring so much. But more than anything, I kind of think that's a lot of that is the system for them and that they're, they kind of get the freedom to shoot whatever they want. And I think that's why they're putting up the numbers they are. Although Rozier has been better than I expected. Um, the team that pretty much has been what I thought they would be. Um, hmm. Um, that's a tough one. I mean, maybe the Lakers. Yeah, I was gonna. I guess the Lakers. I mean, you you know, I think this Lakers team is still the favorite to win it all. But I I I'm gonna go on a hot. I I know this is a hot take. I don't think this Lakers team is as good as last year. I I just really don't. Um, I think Schroeder is a very good player. I think Harrell is a very good player, but I think the Harrell signing is going to really come back to bite them in the ass, potentially. If they have to play, if Denver gets their shit together and they have to play Denver in the playoffs or even like Portland, who has cancer, and Nurkic, he was getting bodied by Jokic in the playoffs. So yeah, how like, is he going to... Sorry, go ahead. Finish, Christian. I was just going to say, how was he going to stop, let's say, Nurkic and cancer if they have to play the Blazers? Like, there's no way he can do that. No fucking way. He has major... Major, uh, by the way, the Bills, they just sound alert. The Bills are going to schedule to try out Jim Kelly's nephew. That's actually really cool. Um, but I think, I think, you know, watch, I was, they, Kevin O'Connor pointed this out, but when the Lakers were playing Portland and they lost to them this season, the, the Portland, Portland ran pick and roll at Harrell legitimately every play down. And, the disadvantage of Harrell versus a guy like Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, they, all their bigs last year were good defenders, besides McGee. And then they just pulled McGee from the rotation. But if they pull Harrell from the rotation, who do they have? Marcus Saul. Marcus oh, washed. Yeah, is completely washed. He is awful. I've said it, but like against the Celtics, he had to have been like a minus 80 something for the series. Like he was, every time he was oh, in. Oh my God, he was terrible. He was awful. Legitimately awful. Um, yeah, I, I that I think this Lakers team is still the favorite. Just I mean, LeBron and AD such a deadly combo, but I think it's fair to question and say is Schroeder like I I think Schroeder's a great player, but can Schroeder be the player Rondo was for them in the playoffs? Rondo was incredible for them in the playoffs. Like the question I have for Schroeder is. You know, can he guard like Rondo's defense made a massive difference in the playoffs? Do they really have someone that can guard on the perimeter like him? Like, is Schroeder really that guy? He's a good defender. I don't think he's a great defender. Wesley Matthews, baby. <laughs> Wesley Matthews is terrible. But um And you but you know you know what else, Nick, though, with Schroeder, if you're not getting like with Rondo, is that Rondo can control an offense and he takes the ball away from LeBron and then they could rest LeBron because Rondo runs the offense. I don't know if Schroeder can do that. Yeah. He's kind of like, he's kind of always been a scorer first. Yeah. You know? right. like not really a playmaker. So like, listen, he's been very good for the Lakers so far. Um, but the fact is that this Lakers team, I mean, I don't think a lot of people are talking about how kind of unimpressive they looked a lot of nights. Like they had, they have major problems with like the Grizzlies, the same Grizzlies team that the Celtics made look like a high school team the other game. Like it's, 
it's just that I still think the Lakers are the favorites for sure. But I think it's fair to say that this roster might not be as good as the one before. Um, I got to say, John Wall, I'm very happy with what's going on with John Wall and KD. Coming back from those Achilles injuries, they look great. So I'm very happy to see that. John Wall didn't just have one injury. He had two big ones. Right. And he's still playing great. Um, The team that I'm down on is the team the Celtics play tonight. So naturally, I'll jinx it. But uh, the the Raptors. The Toronto, oh. the Toronto Raptors, so far this season are one in four. They have lost to the Sixers, the Pelicans twice, and the Spurs. This Raptors team, from what I've seen, is really missing Serge Ibaka. I really hope I'm not jinxing it right now, <laughs> but but to just be flat out, they are one in four and have lost to. Three or two non-playoff teams. Once to and no offense to the Pelicans, the Pelicans haven't been very up and down. And losing twice to them for the Raptors is not good. The Raptors shoot more threes than any other team in the league. Oh my god, dude! Absolute. Go ahead. Just they shot fifty against us and almost barely beat us. (laughs) Like they shoot so many and. And the obvious elephant in the room. I really hope Brad Stevens doesn't put a fucking big man on him tonight and puts Brown on him, who shut him down in the playoffs. But Pascal Siakam has been awful, and with and their only win this year against New York in a game where, like Christian said, they shot three for thirty six. When I was watching that game, I'm like, all right, even the Knicks don't usually miss this many. <laughs> I, it was just abysmal, dude. Abysmal. They had a lot of open looks. Just cr- just bricked all of them, it felt like. It's and, that Tampa Bay gym, damn it. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the, the Raptors have been just – I don't know what's up with them. You kind of watch them and you think, are they really a contender still? Like they don't yeah. look like a team that's – you know, that's as good as like the Bucks or the Nets, you know, you know, you know what it is, Nick, honestly, I think their window is closed. They lost a lot of the pieces from the championship team and they're just missing the guy. You know, when they had Kawhi there, he was the guy. He was the one who was going to take the last shot. He was the one who was going to defend the best player on the other team. He was the one who can calm down the offense in the fourth quarter and, and get you to the win. And, because they had that guy, then other people like Kyle Lowry could be a number three option. He could do his little bulldog flopping thing, which works. All right. He's a hell of a player. And then Pascal Siakam could be more of the number two guy where he can just, you know, do his own thing and he has no pressure being the man. Now that Siakam is the man, he hasn't stepped up to the plate and you can see how how he's not ready for that. He may never he may not be the guy on any team. And them losing Abaka and Gasol, who was washed now, they, you can just see that they just don't have the juice to to be a contender. Like they, it's kind of like they're stuck with this roster because they have guys who won championships, but they can't really move on from them because they don't want to rebuild yet. It's also worth noting. I'm pretty sure Masai Ujiri still hasn't renewed his contract with Toronto, and that's coming oh. up. Yeah, that's not talked nearly enough about. Like, people are not talking about that. The fact that Masai Ujiri feasibly could get on the GM market. And if that's the case, teams are going to be 
falling over themselves to oh, get yeah. it. Like the listen, the Toronto Raptors so far this year, some of their production can pick up. Like you said, they definitely are lacking in number one. But Christian, the thing that was weird last year is Grant Siakam was playing way better, but they didn't have a number one and they still won so many games. It's kind of baffling to see a team that's always been a great regular season team, like just look god awful. Like I'm kind of pouring through the stats uh, against the Pelicans. Pelicans mm-hmm. shot, let me say, 14 for 38 from three. That's not amazing. I mean, that's 37%. It's not like they shot lights out. I mean, Bledsoe and Lonzo shot better than they normally did. But Pelicans left 11 points at the line. The Raptors made almost every free throw. And they still lost. Um, they still The Raptors shot 14 for 48 from three. That's not very good. But, again, like, going through their – like, Aaron Baines, a guy who I loved as a Celtic. I, I thought he was really great, like, great – stable center for us um he hasn't been very good for them like surprisingly he shot very well from three when he was with uh the suns and now he's with the raptors and he shot like 20 something percent uh and alex len is the guy who shot like way better than him um the only positive for them this season i can really see is chris boucher has become like a decent player but That's good yeah, but outside of Chris Boucher, like, what's the positive here? Like, they have to turn their season around and fast. Like, it's like you said, it felt like the window's closing. Like, it, it, it felt like, it, it, I, I kind of like, I really want to use this joke, uh, you know, the song, you know, Closing Time, like, one last basketball. I kind of want to use that. I really hope. Honestly, I was Paul. I was gonna send you if the Celtics beat the Nets. Celtics won. Kyrie zero. But oh my god! That's... <laughs> but sadly, that's not the case. <laughs> I didn't get a chance to use it. That I hope I get to use it. Chance for Raptors tonight. Um, but let's just be real. Like they're just not. They just have looked very, very mediocre. And if they lose to us tonight, they're one in five. Like, like you said, Christian, Denver, it was one and four. They kind of pulled themselves together to beat the catless wolves yesterday. They're kind of on the downslide too. But to me, it's an even bigger shock to see a team like the Raptors, who I never count out like ever, because they always find a way to be good. They always just find a way. And now they're on the verge of going one and five with Phoenix, Sacramento, Golden State, Portland coming up. Oh, my God. Dude, we need to talk about the Western Conference and how absolutely brutal it is. Yeah. There's about, there's about 13 teams. Too. The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have been better, way better than even I thought they were going to be. Dude, there's about 13 teams that I think can make it legitimately. I, I would say the only two teams that probably have no chance are the Thunder and the Spurs. But even they are playing decently. Spurs beat the Raptors. They were one of the teams to do it. And... Even the Spurs, yeah, like you said, the Spurs probably won't make it, but they look pretty good. Um, it's just been a crazy, crazy year. I'm going to go to the standings quick. Um, oh, by the way, it's, so I'm going to throw some LeBron hate over here. I saw somebody post yesterday that uh, they were comparing LeBron's, like, last – LeBron's career numbers in the playoffs and, like, championships since 2013 to the Spurs. 
because he's won more games and championships in them. And I was like, yeah, well, LeBron played in the Eastern Conference. So, <laughs> and the Spurs, the Spurs had to deal with the Lakers, the Suns, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Blazers, the Warriors, the Kings Trail at Blazers. one point, the Thunder, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, Trail the Timberwolves. Exactly. Yeah, they every team in the Western Conference from like 2000 to like 2020 has had a chance to win a championship. Not so in the East. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. Who, who could you say? Uh, who who was a good in the Eastern Conference when LeBron was playing? Like the Pacers? Us. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Celtics. Bit. I'm sorry. I thought, yeah. I mean, the Nets were pretty good in the early 2000s, but they had like a three-year window, you know? Yeah. Like, come on. Like, like, come on. Four years, so. I mean. Like, come on. It, stop, the, stop that. I, I hate when people put, like, especially when they put the whole, oh, LeBron has never lost in the first round. Stat. It's like, dude, that is one of the most meaningless stats I've ever seen in my life. Can you stop? Yeah. Well, I mean, sadly, there's LeBron my hate. There's my hate for LeBron. Now. Not, not on. The, I miss passive aggressive LeBron and his teammates. Definitely. All right, Paul. I've asked you. So, you're who's your up, expected, and down? I mean, for down, I was gonna say Toronto. Um. Now, uh, let's see. The Mavs are already taken. Uh, hmm. <laughs> say, say, say Miami. <laughs> Miami or Denver? I guess Miami. I mean, it's still too early for me to give up, I think, on one of the, on those two teams. Can I say a player instead of? Yeah, you could say yes. a player. Okay. I'm going to say, just because I, I listen to the Ringers NBA podcast a lot, I'm going to say, Killian Hayes on the Pistons, because man, you, you you listen to Kevin O'Connor just wax poetics about this kid, and you think he's going to be like one of the next all-time great point guards or something, and he's a reliable guy. He's not some you know talking head just getting clickbait headlines. I was man, I was really close to taking him in the in the last few rounds of the fan, of our fantasy oh. draft, and he, I am glad I did not because he oh. has done nothing. Paul, Paul, listen, listen. From experience of having French point guards on my team, you never take them until like five or six years later. Even Tony I'm Parker. Sure, I'm pretty sure O'Connor was also high on um, Nelikina. I'm not sure about that, oh, though. Oh, my God. I man, I don't know. It's listen, weird. All, you, all I really need to say about Killian Hayes is, and I've seen him twice, is he was like a combined two of 15 against the Celtics and had like eight turnovers and got outplayed by Peyton Pritchard. So I will actually say, just because I thought of a more uh more serious answer, I guess, looking at the standings, I really thought the Wizards were gonna be like at least like one of those teams who can get into the play in tournament um out of the Eastern Conference. Cause I um I don't know. I just thought like given how weak the East usually is, I thought, you know, I, like you know, pairing Westbrook and Beal isn't the best on paper in terms of style, but I thought they'd have enough talent to at least be in like the top—I mean, not top half, but you know, within touching distance of the playoffs. And again, it's still really early. But they look bad, I, though. They—I was re- bad. Yeah, but I was not expecting the Wizards to go to start the season zero and five. Like I, I did not think they would be that terrible. Westbrook is I, I I cannot understand how anybody anymore who thinks he makes it their team better just doesn't it's over 
It, no, and you know what? And you know what's crazy? He's taking away from Denny Avdia playing. Like you, yeah. you drafted this kid early. He might be your next franchise player. He might not be, but you got to figure out if he is. Why not just play him? I also wonder if this means that we see Bradley Beal get traded. Because, like, you know, for the past, like, year plus, he's been saying explicitly that he wants to stay in Washington. I wonder if the Westbrook trade is going to drive him out. It just doesn't seem like it felt like... Like, at the time, I understood why the Rockets and Wizards did it, but... It hasn't. I mean, Wall's been better than him, flat out. And Wall's coming off an injury, two uh, injuries. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's not. It's it's just like I said. I I've never been a Westbrook fan. And watching that game against the Nets, honestly, he did everything he could to blow that game for the Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people forget, but late in that game, the Wizards were up one, and Westbrook had the ball. Or then Beal got trapped. He kicked it to Westbrook. And instead of attacking with Aiden the shot clock, he took a contested three, missed it, ho- held his follow through while Timothy Luau Cabarro, I, I think that's a TLC. Right. Yeah, yeah. TLC. TLC. Runs down the other way and gets a wide open layup. That was his man that was doing that. Like I said, like that play, just he is a loser, dude. He is a perennial loser. And you know what's crazy? Like, and I, I loved Westbrook early in his career because of how hard he played and how he busted his ass. But this whole thing about his triple doubles, like everybody, everybody makes it seem like triple doubles are a revelation, but they're so easy to get nowadays. I mean, you have, you have Alfred Payton had like four triple doubles in a row one year. Like, okay, if Alfred Payton is getting triple doubles consecutively, then it's not that impressive that a dude has it for five straight games. They lost every single game they had a triple-double, so what does it matter? <laughs> and, like, Westbrook is yeah. one of those players who... He, his decision-making is just terrible. Like, he's just terrible decision-making constantly. Yep. May, always makes the wrong play in the big moment. Always does. Um, it's just not a good scene. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Paul. I, I think that the clock might be ticking on Beal. Like, it's just not a good situation there. Like, I don't I also, know. I but, also sorry, be funny. Yeah, I just want to say real quick, it would be funny if, if Beal were to leave, then that would be three teams <laughs> where Russell Westbrook is on and, the, and their franchise player wants to leave. <laughs> <laughs> God damn, man. All right, Paul, you're, uh, you're expected, and then... Uh, Less than expected. Um, I was going to say the Suns overperformed, but I I did think they were going to be good. So like I'm surprised to see they're this high in the Western Conference. But um, like I thought they would be more around the eighth seed, maybe like seven. Um, so they've been pretty good. But the Cavs just came out of nowhere. Like I was, I think a lot of people were ready to like write off. Um. Garland and Sexton. Like I don't know how many people saw them as like genuine franchise cornerstones or anything, but they've really been tearing it up this season. So props to the Cavs for not being just, you know, the whipping boy in the Eastern Conference this season. Not not neither them or the Knicks have been like like yeah, they, they, especially them. Colin Sexton was the pick that the Celtics traded to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving. And 
You know, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying I. Would and now he's right. above Kyrie, Ir- Ky- above Kyrie Irving in the Eastern Conference standings. So. Now, you know what's now you know what's funny. I remember he got drafted by Cleveland. He was like, LeBron, let's let's run it back and get LeBron signed with the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, he's been playing great though. The only thing yeah. about the, the only thing about their backcourt. They're undersized, so I don't know if they can. With I don't know if you can sustain winning with those guys because if they have to play bigger guards, they're gonna be bodied by them. This is the Raptors' problem. Yes, and that's what happened in the playoffs. If you remember, Nick, like mm-hmm. Tatum, Tatum and Brown and Marcus Smart just destroyed them basically because they just didn't have the height. But but I gotta say the the games that I watched with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Colin Sexton's mid-range game is phenomenal. Like he, he, he has this like dribble pull-up where he just stops and pops, and it's very nice. He like makes it most times. I'm like, okay, okay, Colin Sexton. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And honestly, I totally wrote him off. I, from what I saw early on, I was like, this guy's just not even a good player. Like, um, and you know what's crazy? Like they still have Kevin Love on their roster, which is. I can't believe they haven't found a way to tr- – well, his contract is terrible. But uh, they have Drummond. They have JaVale McGee. You have Kevin Love. You have this kid they drafted, uh, Jeff Okuda, I think his name is. He's like a really good 3 and D player. Isaac Moro, uh, too, is a nice pick. Right. I, I mean, you could you could talk shit about the Cavs and how bad they've been the last couple of years, but they have some pieces, and if they continue with this trend, they could be a formidable team in the years to come if they can continue to develop and grow these guys, which is like – which is, you know, like, uh, sorry, Paul, I'm taking away from your time, but I just want to mention the Hawks again. It's just like the Hawks, they drafted the players that they believed in, and now they surround them with veterans, similar to what the Warriors did, where they drafted Stephen Clay, and they're like, okay, now let's see what these guys can do in the playoffs, and let's see if we can build around them. And they got into the playoffs, and they played well, so they're like, okay, maybe we have something here. That's why I really like what the Hawks did and why, you know, any young team should do that, you know, like, let the young guys play a couple of years, see what they have, let them struggle through the growing pains, then you get some veterans, and then you see what you got. Speaking of young guys, I also want to say, um, on the Heat, Precious Achua has looked pretty good. I saw the Christmas game, and he's, I mean, you wouldn't think he's a rookie if you just saw that game without knowing who's on the team, you know? Yeah, it's nice he looks to like know a really that pick. Sorry, Paul, to cut you off, but it's nice no, to know no I'd have picked after Aaron Neesmith, who we picked at 13 <laughs> in a minute, and Aaron Neesmith is not. <laughs> oh, I feel so great about that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Great. So fun. Weren't you guys weren't you guys gonna draft Tyler Hero too and <laughs> We were one pick away. And then we picked Romeo Langford, who missed almost the entire season last year with injuries. All different ones. Most of them sprained ankles. Then oh. when he gets back, he starts playing well. And he, he breaks his wrist. And that's it for this for last season. And now he's out until late January this season. Listen, Nick, I don't think anything I don't think anything can be worse than the fact that the Knicks wanted Steph Curry so bad and that the Warriors picked him before us back in yeah. the That's Bro, probably that's the biggest punch in the gut. I to do that. That, that's, that was shocking when that happened. I remember that. I was watching the draft. I remember that. Um, so, Paul, your uh, 
You've had your up, your down. Who's your expected? Um, what are you doing for expected again? Sorry. <laughs> who's played, player team has played to like your expectations. Like that, you're not surprised by like where they are. Um, let me look. Uh, I guess I'll say I'm not surprised the Clippers are really good in the regular season again. Um, just because they do have a lot of talent on that team, they did make some good moves in the off season. Um, and like even after they got, even after they lost to Denver, I kind of figured like they're not gonna, you know tumbled in the standings the next season like they're still going to be a good regular season team but i'm still not convinced that um they're going to hold up in the playoffs that's just something that i really got to see to believe yeah i think one thing that's been kind of a surprise is nick batum he's actually been legitimately good for them like Mm -hmm. not washed at all he had a dagger last night against phoenix um and isn't that, uh, isn't that the most twenty? Isn't the most twenty twenty to twenty twenty one thing? Nick Batum is hitting game winners. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nick Batum. You want to know what I? I just want to say. Last year on the podcast, I was the one person that was saying the Clippers move for Marcus Morris was not a good move. It, yes, you were. Not, you were. Yeah, it was not a good fit. I said I was like, it's not a good move. And that they should pick a guy who's a three and D guy, not someone who takes a lot of shots. And and I gotta give it to Nick and a ball a ball mover, you know, for guys like PG and Kawhi. And I gotta give it to Nick Batum. I'm not saying he's perfect for that role, but like he's filled it pretty well. Like they played like legitimately well. Besides that game where they were down like 50 points at half. To the Mavericks. Oh my god. You know, honestly. Though the Clippers, the acquisition of Ibaka, I said at the time, and I I think he's a better player than Harrell. I think he's a better fit than Harrell. I think he's a better player. Um, yeah, I, th- I just think at the end of the day, um, the Clippers are w- kind of who we thought they were. But I, I I don't think it's shocking in a way that they're playing this well. I agree with you, Paul. But let's be honest, they've lost all of our respect for the debacle of the playoff last year, and I will never respect them oh, until yeah. we get to no, the yeah, conference yeah. finals. Paul, <laughs> Paul George is uh he's, he he made he played great against the Lakers in that first game, but he's still a clown. He's he's still clown show, no doubt about it. Um so quickly before we kind of stop here, um two things that have kind of surprised me this season uh, are our two teams, not surprising. Two teams we haven't talked about much is the Bucks and the Heat. And um, one thing that actually didn't surprise me was Drew Holiday it looks really, really good, really good for them. Way better player than Bledsoe. Um, and yet they're three and three. Honestly, I think one thing the Bucks that's really hurting them is that their depth is not the same. Like their depth looks way worse than. When they were running Bobby Portis out against, you know, who, who is he against against us? Uh, the Bulls. Oh, um, um, yeah, no, 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 against like the first game, like against the Celtics, like mm-hmm. they were playing Bobby Portis meaningful minutes in that game against uh, who was it? it? Wasn't Tatum? Who was he guarding? Wasn't Thompson? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Tristan Thompson was just abusing him, like in the. I was like. What are the Bucks doing? Like, why wouldn't you have Brooke Lopez out there? 
you know, and I think they've been a little worse than I expected, but I will say, I think the Drew Holiday thing is going to pay off. But I think that they need depth badly. I think the Miami Heat are two and three, kind of just be, I think part of that's just kind of fatigue. Um, they lost and they they lost Jimmy Butler for a few games. Um, I just kind of think like the Heat. I, I don't think either of these teams are really going to be a problem. I don't think the Nets, Heat, or uh, what should I call it, the Nets, Bucks. Heat, Bucks, yeah, are going to be a problem. I think the Celtics, as so, as long as Kemba plays well when he gets back, I don't think it's going to be an issue for us. Uh, the Raptors, I'm not sure. I think it re- like I want to see them tonight against us. If the Raptors come out and suck and lose to us tonight, I think I might be out on them. I mean, one in five at that point, you got to definitely hit the panic button, even if it's early. How about the 76ers? Yeah, we haven't talked about that. So, um, real it's quick, okay. Listen, yeah. let's be honest. They're going to blow a 3 1 lead because they have Docker versus their head coach. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, look at their, their wins this season. The Sixers' wins this season are the Wizards, the Knicks. The Raptors, the Magic, the Hornets. I mean, they're not stellar wins, any of them. But the Knicks but, are in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Absolutely, absolutely. But, yeah. They. But to be fair, to be fair to them, the 76ers have had problems taking care of business for years now, even with that Butler team. So it's pretty impressive to see that they're actually beating the teams that they should. You know, like. They're not, and they're beating them mostly handily. That's, I mean, outside of that first game against the Wizards, they've been pretty solid. They're definitely, and beat having Seth Curry on his team um, would definitely help. Definitely help for sure. He definitely has helped them. I mean, like, the problem with them last year was they just had no shooting. Like, they had Josh Richardson and the, all these other bums who can't shoot. Now they actually are able to space the floor, and yeah, Danny Green sucks, but at least he's he's still a deemable threat from three. So you got to actually honor him. So what they should have done, which is, I don't know why they were going after defensive players like Josh Richardson and Al fucking Horford. They actually have they actually have space the floor now, and it's gonna help Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Although once again, the problem with those guys is can they actually stay healthy? Because either one of them gets hurt. Or the other one gets hurt, or they both get hurt, or you know they both healthy, but they get clapped by the Celtics in the playoffs. So the jury's still on on them. Uh, same thing with like the Pacers. Um, like they're just kind of like that meddling team where you're just like, are they're just they're just like a tease. Like, are they ever gonna get over the hump? I don't know. Uh, the Pacers too. That was a tough break with T.J. Warren, but no offense, their medical staff has kind of proven to be a little shady considering. Warren had a foot injury last year and we all old Depot said a big, like old Depot said he wasn't really back and then they kind of rushed him back and then he tore everything in his quad or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's been a weird season so far and obviously we made some grand proclamations. I really hope my Raptors are dead proclamation potential is not going to bite me in the ass tonight. Would not surprise me at all because Alex Len 16 for 16 from three tonight. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. When I was watching the game, I was like, dude, what the fuck? When did he become a shooter? But like as if the Celtics win, I, I will do, I will be that meme, you know, with the dancing guy at the grave that, that will be me. <laughs> On the Raptors' hopes. 
<laughs> they have so much me for a long time, and I am sick of them. Um, but yeah, no, like I, it's been a weird season so far. Um, I think I'm, we're just gonna end it here. Um, we'll see what happens in the future. We'll see if Christian's shit talking will <laughs> tone down. I expect that it probably will, but who knows? It's been a weird season for sure. All right. Thank you for listening to the BX Basketball Podcast. I'm Nick Englander here with Paul Burry and Christian Okay. Thanks for listening.